0: Welcome to Spectrum the show that discusses news and topics that affect Southern Nevada and the surrounding communities. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Welcome to the program. I will be talking to a couple of guests. This morning, later, we'll get into some traffic and parking issues when I welcome Review Journal business columnist Rick Vallada. But first, the executive director of the Children's Heart Foundation here in Southern Nevada, Kelly McClellan, who will talk about an upcoming charity event. Welcome to the program as always, Kelly. Because we're friends on facebook tell me about your recent visit to hawaii
1: oh thank you um i actually a friend of mine has a company and and they needed a somebody to run a day camp for kids for uh, an event that he was throwing and he asked if i would go and be a part of that and it was amazing
0: you actually had some downtime
1: i did so that was really wonderful as well so we had a couple where we didn't have it and i got to just hang out on a beach it was fabulous
0: you've got another great event coming up called the inaugural hearts for charity tell me about that
1: um yeah I'm really really excited about this event it's coming up on September 27th and we're having it at the four seasons it's our first tea ever and um, it is we wanted it to you know n- to be maybe a hundred people or something, and we're, we're already at about two hundred people the the outpouring of support for it has just been amazing we're really honoring the philanthropic hearts of our community Las Vegas has this amazing wonderful uh, community of people that really are so giving and so generous and so compassionate with their time and their and their generosity and so we're honoring this year a um, really big supporter of ours. Her name is Dina De Ross, and she's been supporting us for several years to help fund some really critically needed research in the area of congenital
0: heart defects. She's the philanthropist of the year, and does this have special meaning for her?
1: Um, it does have special meaning for her, actually. she as She's a heart mom herself, and um, this is an opportunity for her to you know, really talk about what that has been like.
0: Las Vegas women are coming to the event and it will be a fun fundraiser. Tell me about some of the ways that you're raising money on the 27th.
1: So uh, we're, if we're going to have a little bit of fun with it, uh, the girls and I all got together and we sort of made, if you can believe, I'm not really that crafty, so we'll see how they <laughs> You know, teas are traditionally, they have ladies wear hats. So we made these, like, small mini top hats, but very extravagant with little headbands that we're going to be selling just for fun for the right. ladies to wear for their pictures. We're doing, um, obviously, some step-and-repeat pictures. Uh, we obviously are going to have a, a pretty good-sized and auction. The community has been... Very supportive in terms of helping us with some silent auction items. Hopefully, we have some great things, including Vegas Golden Knights tickets. So, um, nice. Yeah, we're really excited about that, and you know, and then we're going to do some street donation work too. You know, some of it is just about: Do you want to sponsor a child to be able to go to camp? Do you want to support a backpack to uh, for a family that gets checked into the hospital? So. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of different things.
0: Kelly McClellan joins me from the Children's Heart Foundation. A lot of great giveaways, and, and Vegas Golden Knight tickets are not easy to come by. They <laughs> are
1: We've had some amazing people step up and donate their tickets. Isn't that incredible?
0: Are you personally bidding on anything? Is there anything on the list that interests you?
1: Well, Vegas Golden night tickets.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear you.
1: Although I've purchased my, a couple games already. But um, you know, I think that uh, we have some we have some entertainment things. We've got Cirque show, and uh, we even have furniture. We've got you name it. It has it has been coming out of the woodwork. So there's tons of great stuff.
0: I know that you, like me, are a Green Bay Packer fan. Don't you think there should be some some Packer stuff on that list? I know. <laughs>
1: oh, I, so funny. Yes, I wish there was, but there is not. There, yeah. <laughs> there's
0: no green <laughs> So we've talked about it before, but some of the services that the Children's Heart Foundation offers to families who are dealing with their child's congenital heart defect, what are some of those services that you offer?
1: Um, so we actually have about 10 different programs for our families. Uh, having a child with a complex heart condition is a lifelong journey so our kids you know they have to see a pediatric cardiologist a special cardiologist for their heart for life many of them they often have multiple surgeries so we have programs in place inside the hospital for for them to eat at the cafeteria so with food coupons we have a backpack program in the hospital we put snacks in the pediatric ICU unit for the families so they don't have to leave their child if they don't want to We have financial assistance of all kinds. You know, as you can imagine, they're in the hospital for extended periods of time. And their bills are really large. So we help them fund things like gas and groceries and even rent if needed um, during those very stressful times. We have programs for the children. We have Maggie's Garden, which is a toy closet that's open to them all year round um, for procedures and doctor's visits and stuff to release some of the stress. As well as the only camp for kids in the entire state of Nevada for kids that have heart conditions. So. We do a lot of family support groups and family events, you name it. We are actively involved with it. And then in addition to that, of course, we do research funding as well.
0: When families first hear the news, I mean, in many cases, they're devastated. And, and I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that, you know, with all of the emotional, educational and financial support that your foundation provides, it, it really empowers families, doesn't it?
1: Um, it really does empower them, you know, and I think that it, in some ways, some of it is just about really. Leaving some of the fear by being supported not only by us but us connecting them with other families that they can talk to and and build relationships with and educating them on um, you know what's going to happen and what it's going to be like and. Really just being there every step of the way. We're really there for them every step of the way.
0: Executive Director of the Children's Heart Foundation, it's Kelly McClellan, who joins me. And you you brought it up earlier. How important is this medically supervised camp experience for these kids?
1: You know, this is, um, for for these kids, this is like the most exciting weekend of the year for them. They look forward to it all year round. It's four days. uh, It's at the base of Mount Charleston. And we work in conjunction with an organization called Sunshine Nevada that helps us put the camp on. This amazing group of volunteers that come out to to help these kids have the best possible camp experience. We do a very traditional camp for them. So it's s'mores and bonfires and swimming in a lake and archery and rock climbing and all kinds of arts and crafts. And we do that because we want them to feel normal. This is an opportunity for them to spend their weekend with Everybody else that's just like them, everybody else that understands physical limitations or has to take multiple medications or has big scars on their chest from their open-heart surgery. And so for these kids, it's a chance to build relationships with other kids that know what it's like to be just like them, and it's a chance for them to be normal, and it's a chance for them to build relationships that really last a lifetime. And we have kids that have been going to camp for years, you know, 10 years, yeah, and now they're volunteering at camp. Yeah, the kids themselves, and they're volunteering as counselors today because they they know how important it is for these kids.
0: That's wonderful. And do do parents in some cases participate in the camp as well, or is this really kind of an independent uh, few days for the kids?
1: Um, we have a, a couple of board members that are parents that help out. Uh, for the most part, we encourage parents to take that weekend and that opportunity for them to just go hang out and be parents by themselves and let the kids have a chance to sort of spread their wings a little bit um, apart from their parents. And so we encourage parents not to come. We really want the kids to gain some independence and have an opportunity to do things without their parents being there every step of the way. and. It has. It's interesting because a lot of the kids will say to their parents, no, you can't go. And
0: they're like,
1: what do you mean I can't go? (laughs) Really just because this is a change. You know, they might be afraid to do something in front of their parents that they wouldn't normally try out, right? There's nothing like seeing a kid hauling down an oxygen tank, taking their oxygen off, climbing a rock wall, coming back down, putting their oxygen back on. Like, these are the bravest. They might be afraid to do that in front of their parents. So we try to encourage the parents not to come. But they can, of course. They can come visit. They come up on Saturday for lunch and stuff.
0: That's great. So tickets for the charity are what, 150 a person, and you can also purchase what a table for eight.
1: You can purchase a table for eight for a thousand, so you get a discount if you purchase an entire table. And um, and other than that, yes, they are they are 150, and we still have room available because, we, you know, we're going to sell out every single seat in the house. Already doubled in size what I expected, so it's been really amazing.
0: That's amazing. Were you a little nervous in the beginning before you, you know, started talking about it?
1: You know, I was nervous because um, we haven't ever done anything quite like this before. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's extravagant, so you get nervous, like, if I don't sell enough, then, you know, <laughs> don't make any money. And right. Super nervous in the beginning. But, you know, it's amazing. Dina DeBuff-Roth is like this incredible woman who has been so helpful. And she's like, oh, don't worry. We're going to get all kinds of people to come. And sure enough, she's all of her friends are coming. And, um, you know, and we're really excited to be able to honor her. She and her husband have been donating to us for a long time and have made a, a really large impact in our ability to provide critically needed research funding. And so... Um, it's just a great opportunity for us to honor her, and she has truly been there every step of the way to...
0: In your time with the Children's Heart Foundation, have you seen that impact, as you mentioned, uh, you know, encouraging advancements in research?
1: Yes. Um, We actually we're on the cusp right now of um, some research that's being done here in Nevada uh, that hopefully will come out for human trials in the next few months. And... um, And we have worked with some other organizations that are doing some cutting-edge research on single ventricle kids or children that have half a heart. And and so those kids have some unique challenges, and there's some amazing research that's being worked on that we have supported in the past that we're learning a lot about. In the world of congenital heart defects, you know, uh, cutting-edge research is really critical. A lot of our children are living longer lives today and seeing, you know, becoming teenagers and young adults as a result of research that was done even a decade ago five years ago you know so so that's really important i think that people don't always realize that congenital heart defects are a they're lifelong for these kids and b they are the number one birth defect in america and they have a about twice as many children pass away from that than all cancers combined every year so it has a really significant impact. That research, you know, that helps our children have longer, higher quality lives.
0: Kelly, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but for someone like you, who is such a giver in the community, is there a mentor in your life? Someone that has inspired you?
1: Um, you know, I have some amazing, uh, very blessed to have some amazing women in my life, and uh, I have this this. Circle of friends that uh, I have known for a number of years, and um, a mentor whose name is Ann Nicholson, who owns a training company that I worked for for a long time. Who has been one of the most philanthropic women I've ever known as well. Just goes out and does so much within the community and is so giving, and many others actually. You know, I was with uh, I was in the gaming industry for a number of years, and so. I grew up with women like Judy Alberti and Louis yeah. Thompson and Carol Thompson that were, you know, in the gaming industry for a long time and out making a difference in their communities through their works in that organization so you know i've been really lucky to have a lot of amazing philanthropic women in my life
0: i know judy and laurie very well and and always love to uh, work with those two for those who cannot attend the event there will be a silent auction beginning i guess it's september 26th. then where do we go to participate online if we can't make it
1: so you can go to uh chfn.org which is our regular website and look on the events page and find the Hearts for Charity page. And once we get the silent Action open, the link will be on that page. And then you can just join in and put in all your information and check out what's there and see if there's anything that you're interested in. We have some really great restaurant meals and some musical activities and some show tickets, lots of show tickets. and So there's really gonna be a lot of fun things.
0: Kelly, you're one of my favorite people and not just because you're a Packer fan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: you are one of my favorite people, too, and I appreciate all the support that you give to our kids and our organization for everything that we do. It's really wonderful, Ben. Thank you so much.
0: Kelly McClellan, Executive Director of the Children's Heart Foundation. The charity is coming up the 27th at the Four Seasons. Kelly, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I'll talk to you later.
0: My next guest is Rick Falada, the business columnist for The Review Journal, who can elaborate on such things as parking at the new Raider Stadium and what's the latest with Project Neon. Rick, thank you for joining me on the program this morning. It's interesting. I, I think many cities don't talk about traffic so much in their newspapers, but here in Southern Nevada, it's one of the top five issues we always talk about, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, by, by all means. And the, and the fact that we've got this major this major highway reconstruction project going on. I think it's like doubled, tripled, quadrupled the amount of uh, uh, attention devoted to it just because there's so many things that are happening at the same time.
0: What about Project NEON as long as you're bringing that up and what kind of progress are we making?
2: Well, I, from from uh, some of the reports that we received from Nevada Department of Transportation they are uh, on schedule maybe even slightly ahead of schedule in some of that. That said, we're, we're still looking at uh, seeing some of the uh, uh, pieces of this uh, project completed not until next summer so we've got a long ways to go still in terms of getting that uh, finished but um, uh, the the fact is is that once they're done I mean everything that we've been led to believe is that this is going to be a a big relief in terms of being able to manage our traffic through our most uh, our busiest intersection which that being US95 with Interstate 15.
0: And such are the problems of a city that has uh, extreme growing pains, right?
2: Right, right. And, and you know, I everybody has indicated that because the uh, the economy is back on track, there are more people uh, uh, moving to Las Vegas, so more residents here. I think this is uh, about the largest that Las Vegas has ever been, population-wise. Yeah. And uh, all those people, you know, drive cars or, or, or at least a take rides to certain places. And obviously, transportation is very important to the community as a whole.
0: Business columnist Rick Vallada joins me. And, you know, I thought, Rick, getting the stadium, the Raiders Stadium, and the months leading up to that decision was high drama. But finding appropriate parking space, that is really an incredibly complicated process, isn't it?
2: It is, and uh, the, the Raiders have actually had uh, about a year to think about it and to, to plan for it. Uh, if, you, if you recall, back a, a year ago in September, I believe it was, that uh, the Clark County Commission uh, offered a, uh, a waiver from some of the parking restrictions that they had been placed on. They had have to have like 16,250 parking spaces to account for people who would be attending events at the, at the stadium. We're not talking just about Raiders games and, and UNLV games. We're talking about all kinds of, uh, things, like concerts, uh, tr- you know, big, uh, uh, indoor events that, that could be placed in this, perhaps a convention of some kind. So that has to be accounted for. Well, the, the Clark County Commission basically told the Raiders, we're, we're gonna give you a, a pass here on locating all these parking spaces on site because obviously there's not enough room on the site of the stadium to put all these spaces in. But you now have one year from today to uh, to tell us how you're going to accommodate all the people who are going to be going to these events. Well, over the uh, over the course of the last 12 months, I've been kind of badgering the uh, the Raiders organization on a regular basis saying, what's the parking plan? What's the parking plan? What's the situation like? What are you going nice. to do? And they finally got uh, to to announcing it then um, uh, earlier this month as to what they're planning to do. And that plan incorporates uh, actually uh, four satellite parking uh, lots uh, around the uh, stadium uh, periphery and then uh, a shuttle bus system to bring those people who are parking at those satellite lots to, uh, uh, to the stadium site uh, during event times.
0: So, if you would indulge me, Rick, let's go over those four off-site parking spots because everyone is really focused on those and interested in those. If especially if they've got uh, tickets or are thinking about it, uh, let's start with the Orleans sites and the and the numbers there.
2: Okay, yeah, the uh, the Orleans, of course, is owned by the uh, the Boyd Gaming Corporation, and they uh, the Raiders have some negotiations with them regarding uh, having people park there. They've. they've if you're familiar with that site, uh, on the north end of that, there's some parking around the, uh, the, the kind of the backside of the Orleans Arena, and there's approximately 3,700 to 4,600 spaces in that general vicinity. So that's that's uh, what they've got uh, there on the north end of the, of the Hotel Casino property.
0: Is that what where people used to park who went to Las Vegas Wrangler games?
2: Yeah, area. I think they would they would go there. Uh, I know that there's a nice parking garage right close by that's uh, easy too. But this is a ground access, so so yeah, that's that's on the uh, again like on the north end of where the arena is.
0: Okay, and so what is the shuttle ride? What are we saying it's going to take to go from point A to point B here?
2: Well, they, they have some some rough estimates, which I think are really rough because right. everybody's going to be going to this to the stadium. I, and, and actually, I think that the bigger problem is going to be. Exiting the stadium because uh, any any time you have a stadium plan that's put together, the, the fact is is that going is not so hard because it's all spaced out. A lot of people are going, you know, three to two to one hour before the game time, uh, but then coming out, usually everybody comes out at exactly the same time when the game ends. So uh, you know they're they're estimating a ten to fifteen minute ride to to get to this location, and it's in like within ten to fifteen. Uh, minutes to all four of these uh, destination uh, satellite parking uh, lots that they've got planned out.
0: Anything within walking distance?
2: Well, they're they they're probably a couple of miles at the very uh, the minimal. Yeah, uh, I think that's about two miles from the the one that's farthest uh, to the uh, to the south of the stadium, which is actually at the southwest corner of Las Vegas Boulevard and uh, RB Avenue. Uh, that one's probably the closest. And that's uh, a 20-acre site uh, that's near, if you're familiar with the area, there's a, uh, there's a big uh, a shopping mall across the street from it. But that area uh, has a room for about 2,000 to 2,500 spaces there. I believe the closest of these satellite lights lots to the stadium. But that's still probably a good two-mile walk.
0: And what about the site at Arville and Tropicana?
2: Arville and Tropicana is, uh, currently occupied by a building that's, uh, that Southwest Gas used to, to operate out of. It's about nine, nine and a half acres and it's between, uh, Arville and Wind Road. But that, uh, that lot, I drove past that a few days ago and there's a, there's about a thousand to, uh, 1100, uh, maybe 1200 spaces there. Uh, and that's actually right within sight of the Orleans. So it's like, Caddy Corner from the Orleans uh, 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 Casino site, so pretty easy to, to, to. That's really close by in terms of uh, next to the the Orleans, and the, the, uh, it too is is a good a good walk. The furthest
0: away may very well be the Blue Diamond in Las Vegas Boulevard site.
2: Yeah, that, it's probably between that and the Orleans that are the farthest away. Uh, but um, the one that uh, that you're referencing there, the one that's at uh, Blue Diamond is probably one of the larger spaces, too. It's 29 acres near uh, Shelbourne Avenue and Blue Diamond Road, and it's about 2,900 to 3,600 spaces there. It's just a little ways further south from the one that's at Arby and uh, Las Vegas Boulevard.
0: So if I get to a lot and it's full, I have to race to another lot? I mean, how is this going to work? It, it just...
2: The, the, the Raiders haven't been too specific about how exactly it's going to play out, uh, but it's my understanding that when you get a ticket, uh, you will also be purchasing a, um, a, a space at a parking lot. So you will know where you're going to be going uh, right away when you, when you have your, your ticket in hand. So the idea I think is to uh, uh for people to go directly to those parking facilities and there won't be any worry about whether there's um, uh whether it's full or not. So that that is at least the plan from the way I understand it. There's also a pretty elaborate idea that's uh I think being developed by the Raiders. They haven't disclosed all the details yet about how tailgating is going to work because yeah. all of these sites will have uh the potential for hosting a tailgate uh, parties for people that uh, want to get there early before the game, cook some food before they uh, go over to the stadium.
0: And that may seem odd to people, but as someone who has been to a few games in Green Bay, I'm from Wisconsin originally, there's a lot of sites away from the stadium and people tailgate several blocks away, which is not unusual, actually.
2: Right, right. And and uh, this is something that the team has you know, repeatedly stressed over the last several uh, months, that being that tailgating is very important to the Raider culture. So, um, they, you know, one, one of the things that people have brought up as an idea was, well, why don't they put a, a parking garage on the site of the uh, stadium so that they can at least have more parking uh, that's close by? Well, that wouldn't work in terms of tailgating because, as, you know, anybody who's ever been in some of these parking garages, they're kind of closed in and uh, when you're tailgating you're trying to get out in the open and, right. and uh, have have these parties so a parking garage just simply wouldn't cut it in terms of the tailgating aspect and these other uh these four satellite lots that have been described by the team do have they're completely open there's no um, there's no uh, additional uh uh parking garage facility or anything of that of that nature and so people would be able to just park on a surface and then uh have their tailgating uh Gatherings at uh, at those particular places. So, um, and, and one of the things I think it's kind of important to um, to note, and the Raiders made this pretty clear in their presentation to the Clark County Commission, is that this is a work in progress. They uh, they say, okay, right now we've got these four places that we we've solidified it. We've got the agreements in place with all the, the people that own the land. We're leasing the land. Maybe we need to make one uh, one of these lots a little bit bigger so they might lease a little bit more land at one particular lot if it finds that there's a lot of popularity for that particular area and then they might also add a couple more parking uh, satellite parking areas in different locations they've uh, been in negotiations with a number of different property owners to, uh, to to get what they have so there may be some additional spaces that that come online uh, that are that are also close by, but uh, not particularly at these four locations that we've just been talking about.
0: That wraps up part one of my discussion with RJ Business Columnist Rick Velada. In part two, next week, we'll talk further about Raiders Stadium Parking, what are the options when it comes to walking to events, rideshare and tailgating, and we'll touch on gaming and more. Thanks again to Rick Velada and my first guest, Kelly McClellan from the Children's Heart Foundation. And thank you for tuning in. I hope to see you all back here next Sunday morning at 7.30. Spectrum is hosted, written, and produced by Jim Tofty. If you have suggestions on future guests or topics, please send them to spectrum at smiradio.com.